0: It's there you'll find connection, and there where you'll find more peace, obedience, respect, and joy. So what are you waiting for? We know those behaviors aren't going to go away on their own. Let's dive in. Hey there, and welcome to the Chaos to Connected podcast. Today, I am going to cover something that I've been talking fairly often about over on my Instagram, and that is calming strategies, because... I don't know about you, but I feel like whenever somebody is having challenging behavior with their child, it's like, oh, have you created a calming space? Have you created, like, have you implemented calming strategies? Here's like visuals you can use and all of this stuff. And while there is nothing wrong with having those things, I think that we're missing a huge component. And so I want to dive more into that today and specifically focus a little bit more on how you can actually teach your child to implement calming strategies without actually needing this space or um, almost this time to like teach them how to use these calming strategies. So before I get into that, I just want to recap a previous podcast that I had done on why you actually don't need a calming space and the whole calming strategy thing um, kind of intertwined with my story and kind of where where this all started. Because if you don't know, I'm a pediatric occupational therapist. So a huge part of my job was teaching a self-regulation program to kids and families. And while I don't think there's anything wrong with teaching it, I think as I'm looking back, there's this huge missing component, well two, um, that I wish I would have known that is going to speed up the process. If you're just specifically focusing only on calming strategies, you're missing a huge opportunity to actually create lasting, consistent change. And one thing that I often told parents, which is still true, is that when our brains are organized in a pyramid and when we are regulated, when our sensory systems are regulated, all of the higher up levels of our brain as we go higher up in the pyramid work more effectively and efficiently than if they are dysregulated. However, as I have gone into a whole nother sector of learning, I have come to understand that it's not just about the sensory piece. It's also about the connection of our child to us. Are they feeling connected? Because when our kids are feeling connected, their thinking brain is turned on. And when they're not, it's not. And so just back to my story really quickly. When I transitioned from working in a clinic To an in home daycare because I really, really like loved, like, still do love being a pediatric OT. I really wanted to be with my kids. And so I started an in home daycare. And shortly thereafter, my oldest became very aggressive. That was not at all like him. It felt like it came out of the blue. I had no idea what to do. And so I just thought, okay as an ot what would i direct somebody else to do and that would be to implement some calming space and calming strategies and i literally changed like i i did it to the fullest okay i adjusted things when i didn't feel like they were working like i went all in and it did not work and i think it's because i was doing things out of order i didn't know the order i didn't know there should be a specific order And so what I want to focus on today is how we can actually teach our kids these calming strategies because obviously as we get older, we do need to learn how to calm our nervous system, right? Like we need to know how to express our feelings but we also need to know how to like we can't just be in a business meeting or a work meeting and be upset by what somebody's saying and just like throw an adult tantrum right so we do need to have the skills of how to actually calm ourselves down but i think the way in which we are kind of conditioned is like oh your child is hitting teach them a calming strategy or implement these sensory strategies. And yes, that can be part of it, but I don't think that is the first part of it. So the first part is connection. Like I said before, it is vital. We need connection, all of us, especially our kids to turn that thinking brain on, to be able to take in information, to learn and One of the things, kind of getting back to things that I would share with parents, one of those things is that our brains, unless your child has some disorder or another diagnosis that they truly have sensory processing disorder or something that is impacting that function, our brains have the capability to seek out sensory input to help us regulate, help us go from really angry or frustrated or whatever to calm down And if we're really tired, to wake up. So I like to give the example of driving in a car because I think everybody's probably experienced this if you've ever driven in a car. You know, you're probably like driving late at night or later, it's dark outside, you're feeling tired and you obviously know I can't fall asleep because I'm driving, that would be dangerous. So without even thinking about it, your body, because you are a sensory being, seeks sensory input out naturally to bring your alert level higher so that you can focus on the task you need to do when our kids so this might look like you know turning the air on rolling the window down so that's like a tactile experience maybe turn up the music that's an auditory experience maybe you're like drinking something cold you know that's an oral um, sensory input so when our kids are not connected they don't have the capacity to carry out this process. Their brain is not going to be like, oh, I'm getting frustrated. I should do this to help get myself back to the just right regulation. And so it's not always just about sensory systems being dysregulated. A lot of the time, it is about our kids being disconnected from us and our own ability to manage our triggers and what we are actually modeling for them to do in these situations through that co-regulation piece. And I just wanted to share this example because I think it proves a really good point. And that is, um, Miles was at school one day and, um, he had been asked to, I think, like take a break to calm down. Just, you know, he was a boy, lots of energy, smaller space. You can't really like you know, just like run free, like when you're outside and they have a fish tank. And so I think the idea is it's calming to wash a fish tank, watch them swim the water, which is true. You know, that would be something that we would put on a eye sheet for regulation strategies. And as he is telling me about this situation, cause it really bothered him. He said, no prompting. This came out Like I just love when this happens. It came out all on his own and he said, how does it help me calm down? It just gets me more riled up. And I think this is a good example that calming strategies cannot, cannot replace connection. So if that connection is lacking, if there has been some disconnect, if there has been some frustration, you know, a little bit going on, Calming strategies aren't going to fix it because first we need to establish or re establish connection. And then the next part of it is exposing. So, exposing your child to sensory activities and even more specifically, sensory specific or sensory preference activities. So, like I mentioned, there's a variety of sensory systems. There's actually seven, not five, like we are taught. And we all, have a preference we all have sensitivities that is normal because we're all sensory beings so that's that's totally fine if your child feels like doesn't like to get messy or something it's more about how much is it impacting their day okay so everybody has some type of sensory preference and this is something that i teach you more specifically in my one-on-one coaching because obviously every child is different i can't just prescribe one thing Um, But when you expose your child to their sensory preference, like in specific activities, just throughout the day, through play, through engaging together, their body, they're connected, you're exposing them to these activities, their body is taking in this input, they're seeing, oh, this is really helping me to feel calm. Now, obviously, they're probably not thinking hey, I'm blowing bubbles. This makes my body calm down, you know, but their brain is calculating this. So later on, they will be able to access it if they are connected. So connection, number one, exposure, number two. And then finally, you get the results. So I wanted to share a couple examples because this has happened both with my six-year-old and my three-year-old. So I want it to be clear that your child doesn't have to be older be able to do these things but what's most important is that you have this process in order so we're not jumping immediately to calming strategies because one of the biggest issues with this is that when your child is upset so i don't mean like you know they're like oh i'm having a tough time and they want to talk about it great implement a calming strategy if you feel appropriate i'm talking about when your child is starting to have a meltdown and you think okay, they said this type of behavior, I should start a calming strategy, teach them one, try to implement it. That's not gonna work. Because your child, and even if, like say it does work, say it happens to work, what is happening is you are actually stopping your child from doing the natural process of processing through and releasing stored up hurts. And that is a process that we don't actually want to stop our children from doing because so many of us do that. And we bottle things up and bottle things up and then we explode. So we are born with this innate process to expel negative energy, negative feelings, hurts, all this stuff, so it doesn't get trapped in our body. And when we immediately interject a calming strategy, when our child is beginning to have this meltdown, we are saying, essentially, stop having these feelings. I'm not comfortable with them. You need to calm down. Versus... Let's have the feelings. Let's get reconnected. Then as the like intensity is coming back down, then that might be a time where you interject a calming strategy if you so desire. But I just want to be very clear. I don't do that. I specifically focus on connection, which includes connecting in fun, playful, special time ways, but also... In helping my children to feel like their feelings are safe, holding space for those feelings, and making sure I'm regularly allowing them to release them. Those are all forms of connection. And just by doing that, my kids at both six and three are learning strategies that their body needs to help them to, I mean, generally, let's be honest, calm down. It's not often that they're like, oh, I'm so tired. I need help waking up, right? Right. Um, like maybe we do. So I wanted to share those examples with you. So one of them, so my, my oldest, um, one of the things that he really likes is we get these breathe. they're called breathe drops. Um, they're from doTERRA. It's like a mint, um, but it has the breathe oil. So it has, you know, the extra physical and emotional properties because the oil is in it. It's not, you know, fake flavoring and all that stuff. Um, So we use them a lot. Um, We've used them just in different situations when we needed to transition and it felt a little hard um, or we were just needing to get going, just lots of different scenarios. And so one day, Miles was starting to feel, I can't even remember what specifically he was struggling with at the time, Um, but he asked for a breath drop. I didn't prompt him. He had learned these help me to feel calm. Right now, I have a situation where I'm not feeling the most calm. I need one of these. And his brain was making this connection because he was connected. We regularly work on connection because it is something easily interrupted. And we had been exposing this opportunity frequently in lots of different scenarios and his brain was learning. This helps me. Same thing with Huxton, my three-year-old today, actually, um, I was trying to lay him down for a nap. So (laughs) we, I actually brought him to PT. We got done around lunchtime and it's quite a drive back home and he wanted to take his nap. And I'm like, no way are you falling asleep in the car? Because I don't know if your kids are like mine, but then, you know, he'd sleep what, 20, 30 minutes in the car and then not take a nap when we got home. Like he does not transfer and it's just worse. Right. So I was like, no, you can't, you can't, you can't sleep. So we got home, um, and just kind of got in the house and all that stuff and then went down to take a nap. Well, as he was laying in bed, he said, I just can't, I'm, I'm just too awake or something. And I'm thinking like, no, you're not. You were just about to fall asleep. And then he proceeded to ask me to give him a back massage, like a deep, like, um, more like one that you would probably ask your husband for, right? Not like a soft little tickly rub, like a deep tissue massage. And it's the same thing that happened with him. We have done that before. He's asked for a massage for different reasons, not just because he needed to calm down, but because you know his back was hurting, or he just I don't know asked for it, and so because again that we have been working on that connection and really trying to maintain it as much as possible. Obviously, there's going to be interruptions. Um, his body was saying, "Okay, I'm feeling too wide awake. I need to calm down in a different way, not because I'm you know really angry, but because." I feel like I'm too awake and I need to actually go to sleep and massage is actually also another one of those activities that I used to put on a, um, we had a handout for each sensory system. So the touch system, you have light touch and deep touch. Generally deep touch is calming and massage is one of those things. And so I just thought it was a really cool example that we don't specifically need to be saying you know, because a lot of the time we print off pictures, right? Or we create this corner or we have this sheet of paper that has all these different, um, activities that they can do. And when they're needing to calm down, we bring them over there and we have them point to it. What I would really encourage you to do is focus first on connection, really, really, really get connected and figure out, you know, different ways of connection. Like I mentioned, there's the fun, the play, the special time, the one-on-one time, but then there's also the holding space for feelings and just really focusing in on doing those things regularly. And then as you're exposing them to these activities that you would have otherwise put on the paper, they are going to be able to Take in that information, their brain is going to be able to configure that information into, oh, this is helping me to feel, you know, better in some sense. This is helping me to calm down. This is helping me to go to sleep, whatever it might be. So then, when they are, as they're getting older and they can kind of communicate these things, then they can say, huh, oh, I'm feeling too awake and I need to go to sleep. Can you do this? Or can I have this? And they might not verbalize this whole process right but they're feeling it their brain is walking them through it and they're automatically starting to seek out these things that they are asking for so I hope that's helpful for you I think something that this has been a struggle for me for a long time as I kind of transitioned into being an OT but also being a connection focused parent coach I'm like I know both of these things are really important and they both are helpful, but how do they fall in line? And this is just like, I just want to shout it from the rooftops over and over and over again, because I just see this as such a, um, such a learned pattern, but that's not really as effective as it could be. Um, and that is just jumping immediately to calming strategies. So what I want to encourage you to do Next time your child is having a meltdown, or as you are just preparing, because obviously there's going to be a meltdown at some point, is to really focus in on connection, really focus in on exposure. Again, lots of different sensory activities. Um, if you are looking for what your child's sensory preference is, again, that is something that I walk you through in my one on one coaching. And even more specifically, Not just what those preferences would be, but activities and how we incorporate that regularly into routine and challenging times and all of that good stuff. And then watch for results. Real quick before you go, if you felt encouraged and inspired by listening to this show, I'd love for you to leave a rating or review over at Apple Podcasts so we can spread the word to help other mamas feel less alone and find beauty in the behaviors.